get up, get, get up, get up. What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast, the official podcast of the New York Mets, episode number 148. And you know what? I'm going to say it's the first official episode of the offseason. You guys have been waiting since we got knocked out in the playoffs for us to talk about the offseason, and you are getting it today. We're talking about free agents. We're talking about guys that the Mets maybe have to re-sign. Maybe they don't re-sign. Maybe guys that they go after. We're covering the entire offseason today in one of the episodes that's going to happen. I mean... We're going to be talking about the offseason for a long time. You're going to be hearing a lot of the names that we say, but today's going to be the first of that. So I hope you guys are excited. We're excited to talk about it. The 2023 season has officially started as of today. You guys know the drill. If you like what you're seeing and listening and hearing over here, make sure you guys follow us on all our social media at MetsUp, M-E-T-S-D-U-P on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Shout out to producer Vito. He's been hooking us up with some killer reels, some killer content over there. Make sure you're following us. If you're looking for the YouTube version of everything, go to the New York Mets YouTube channel. Subscribe over there. You'll be able to watch us. And if you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, drop us a rating. Drop us a review. Haven't seen reviews lately. Give us a review. We really do appreciate it. Without further ado, James. How are we feeling, James? I'm feeling good. We just had a nice pre-show meeting with the whole team. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Some contracts have been doled out, I think. Yeah, yeah. we're looking forward to some more. Let's just let's start off with the one that I think everyone has been wanting to hear about and we've been wanting to talk about for a while, which is going to be Edwin Diaz, the trumpets. Can you play those trumpets for us? Dude, he's back. Edwin Diaz is back. I love it. Yes. And this was something that came out like in such hilarious fashion. First move of the offseason, like during Sunday Night Football, basically. So uh, completely outside of like the national periphery, yet Twitter was ablaze at that moment with everyone talking about Edwin Diaz because it was a combination of Mets fans being really happy he came back and then the grumpy Mets fans being like, oh, we gave him too many years and too much money. And then people from the outside being like, OMG, Mets fail. You gave the biggest reliever contract ever. So it was like, it's hilarious that a uh, contract that happened during an NFL football game could have that large of like repercussions around the internet, but it did because that's the Mets. Yeah, no, like you said, it is a record-breaking deal. It's the largest contract ever given to a relief pitcher. And, I mean, Edwin Diaz kind of deserves it based off of the last few years he's had with the Mets. He's been the best reliever in baseball. I think we can say that now, right? Edwin's basically been the best reliever in baseball since he came up in 2000. Like, since he got good in, like, 2017, 2018, the only thing that ever stopped Edwin Diaz was the baseball. In 2019 with... Yeah, that was it. If not for him having, like, a 28% home run to fly ball rate that year, which is that is the number of fly balls by the number of home runs you give out. The league average usually 11 or 12. Edwin has sat around 15, 16, 17 his entire career percent. That year was 28. Unsustainable number. (laughs) Didn't make any sense. We all said it didn't make any sense. No one could figure out why. We learned why afterwards. And you peel that back and you look at a guy like Edmund Diaz, who's had basically the best strikeout rate in all of baseball since he came up. He has the most F4 of any reliever since he first came up, the second best K minus walk rate, the third highest fastball velocity. He's one of the best relievers this generation, and now he's going to be with the Mets for a long time. No, I'm really excited. I mean, the trumpets are electric. Edwin Diaz is electric. And it is nice, especially for an organization that I feel like statistically has had a hard time maybe finding a a closer that can be lights out for an extended period of time. It's nice that Edwin Diaz, we know for the next five years, will be pitching in Queens every single day for the Mets. I'm I'm, I'm really excited. And got to remember, I was a doubter at first of Edwin. And he complete, he's completely 180'd me. 180. <laughs> you weren't a doubter. You were a hater. Well, I, I mean, listen, I, there was times where I couldn't watch him pitch. I was terrified. I would, I'd get upset. But Just like you said, since 2019, uh, since they screwed him with that baseball, he has been lights out, lights out. So really happy Edwin's back in New York. And again, like I think the Mets are in a, not just the Mets, just teams in general are in a spot where you can get so creative with how you look at bullpens and how you look at relievers where, yes, it is a lot of money to give Edwin Diaz. It is a record-breaking deal but you have the opportunity to go get so many guys available on the free agent market or through trades, whatever it be that are super undervalued. Cause I feel like that's kind of what the rest of a bullpen looks like is undervalued pieces. Definitely. And also it's, it's worth comparing this contract to other contracts that some relievers have gotten over the last mm-hmm. few years, like these high priced relievers that made it to free agency. There's one creator who I don't particularly care for, who I'm not going to mention, who released a contract that was signed by a pre-arbitration player and compare it to the amount of money Edwin Diaz makes. That's just like poor analysis. So we have to keep track of stuff like that. But you want to look at guys like Liam Hendricks and Ryan Presley who reached free agency as elite relievers at a similar age to Diaz. Each were actually a little bit older. Edwin's just turning 29 this year. Liam Hendricks signed a three-year $54 million contract. 
with the White Sox with a club option. That range is going to run from ages 32 to 34. Ryan Presley signed a, I think it was 454 with Something the Astros. Something along the lines. Something I, like that. But I, don't, I, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm on his spot track right now. I think there was like a contract with an extension because he has a vesting option. Yeah, his vesting option 2025. So it was 10 million this year at age 33. Next year that kicks up to 14 million at age 34. 14 million the year after that and a vesting option if he makes 50 appearances the year after that. Okay. So these guys are making a little bit less than Diaz admittedly between like 14 and 15 million dollars. Edwin Diaz also pitched better than them and is significantly younger. And Edwin Diaz's contract is ending basically earlier or at the same spot than, than the point of either of these guys when they signed it. Ryan Presley signed that deal at 33 years old. Edwin Diaz, this contract will end at 33 years old. <laughs> so, crazy. I mean, comparatively speaking, those $6 million a year are meaningful when you talk about the reliever, especially when the most expensive one makes $20 million a year in Edwin Diaz. But this contract really isn't as insane as people have instructed. It is interesting, though, that if you look at these two contracts already given out, two biggest reliever contracts in the game, one is Hendricks and the White Sox, arguably the dumbest organization in the entire show. <laughs> and the other one is the Astros, the World Series champions, which we could talk about briefly in a little bit, I guess, who are probably the smartest organization in the whole show. So there's really no way, there's like no one way to slice this. And it's just, you have to look at the player in the team context, specifically and the Mets need the closer and have plenty of money. So it works. Yeah. And uh, not my money. Not, not my, my money. money. I don't care. If, that's how Uncle Steve wants to spend his money. Fine by me. Fine by me. I will. You won't catch me complaining from the Mets spending too much money ever. That's that's never going to be a complaint of mine. For sure. And again, we'll reiterate. If not for the 2019 baseball, we'd all be looking at Edwin Diaz as like a generational type of player. As a, as a guy who's on pace to be like one of the greatest closers of all time. Because he still is anyway. The only yeah. guy he trails in strikeout, uh, strikeout rate and K-minus walk rate since 2016 are Josh Hader. Or is Josh Hader? Yeah, bad, bad yeah. use of uh, the Ooh, words there. That was bad from you. Shockingly bad, bad grammar. There, I got I got my light stuck in my eyes for a second. It kind of kind of bewildered me. But Edwin's amazing, and now he's just locked up for the rest of his entire prime, which is great. Hundred percent. And you did bring up the Astros. I think we should probably just quickly touch on the fact that the Phillies lost the World Series. Uh, that's what I'm calling it. They lost it. Uh, I'm not going to even say necessarily say the Astros won, even though they they very much did. The Astros no. actually, if anything, beat the Phillies. No, the Phillies did something incredible. This World Series, they were the first the first team since the 1960s to be no hit. Yeah. Or 1950s, no, that was, yeah. That was, that was definitely really nice. cool. That was really awesome. Uh, Astros we were, also became the second team this year to no-hit the Phillies joining the Mets. We were at uh, a bar in Greenpoint, Keg and Lantern. Great, great chicken fingers. But before we divulge into what was going on during the game, we went to this bar because we wanted to sit outside and watch the World <laughs> I like Series. how you're telling this. You just jump right into the story. We went from baseball yeah. talk to like life talk. Yeah, no, we... We went there to go watch the World Series outside. It was a beautiful day on, what, Saturday, right? It was yeah, gorgeous. Saturday. Gorgeous day. You got to sit outside. You don't know how many of these days are left You know, with a New York winter coming up. We go outside, and they got a lot of TVs. And as you can imagine, there's some college football. And understandable, Alabama, LSU, big game. What was the other game that was on TV? Alabama, LSU was on late. Texas, K-State, which is big for the real the real football heads. There was Michigan. Oh, Notre Dame, Clemson, Michigan, yeah. Rutgers. There were plenty of games on that people would care about. But there was one game. That was on the TV for one table in specific, and honestly, at that table, one guy in in particular, and that was regular season hockey between the Washington Capitals, and I believe they're now called the Arizona Coyotes. Oh, I don't, no longer Fe Phoenix. I don't think Phoenix wants to associate with them. I think they're just the Arizona Coyotes, the whole state. Regular season hockey, and when we asked the, the waitress, bartender, whatever she was, if we could change the game, she's like, sorry, he requested it. You guys can go inside and watch the World Series, to which understandable but at the same time regular season hockey between the capitals and coyotes are you kidding me combined record so far this season of 10 and 12 between oh, those wow. two juggernauts you went and got the record that's pretty good yeah i i think ovi was possibly breaking a record that's what people were trying to tell me on twitter but i also don't care because it's regular season hockey not it's not really just regular season hockey it's november hockey november hockey yeah the, the only thing less important than regular season hockey is november and october hockey <laughs> It is. It's crazy. And the fact that there was so much football and in the World Series on that night, not even just like if it was game two of the World Series, like maybe this is an elimination game. There was a champion being crowned. Thank God. And the fact that this guy was like so stubborn, just sitting there with a group of people. Eventually, they all left. He's just sitting yeah. there in a Capitals hat, just locked in on the screen. Made a made a hate bet. I bet the Coyotes live and uh, the Coyotes scored in the last 30 seconds. So they scored three got, unanswered goals in the third period to win. It's fantastic. That was a good win for Mark paid for the Uber home that night. Was really happy with that, but I just had to let you guys know because 
me and James, we talked about this for a good like two hours on Saturday. It was like up. It was pretty much what we talked about until Jose Alvarado, that rat, gave up a 450 nuke bomb tank to Jordan Alvarez, which was just icing on the cake. Just cause it couldn't happen to a better guy, you know. That's it. I just it was it was also very nice to watch the Astros win the World Series. Like it was a yeah. satisfying end to the season because they were the best team in baseball from wire to wire. Like no one was better than them, and that was it. They finished the, the job finally. Does it make you feel better as a Mets fan that the clear best team in baseball won it? it hundred percent. It at least clears from your mind, right? Like if the Phillies won the World Series, all we're gonna think about is man, this was our year. We could have easily won this thing. This is a team that we beat 14 times this year. But with the Astros, at least we didn't beat them once this year. And we knew that this was the best team or second best team in baseball. So there's not really a question of, oh, we would have beat them. It would have been like, well, we would have probably had to get really hot. I mean, that was my thought after the 2019 season ended, after the Astros choked against the Nationals and an inferior Nationals team won the World Series because they got hot at the right time. A team that was during the year absolutely no in no way, shape, or form better than the Mets really at any point. Bad. Worse than the Phillies were even at any point during this season, without a doubt. But they, I mean, got, they, they, they even got hotter though at the end than the Phillies ever got. But that yes. was just that unsatisfying feeling. Same with the Braves last year where it's like this team isn't even good and they just won the World Series. Like it's like it leaves this awful like crappy feeling in your, in your mouth. But at least this year the team, the most deserving team won. In terms of all the stuff that people were spewing about the playoff format and yeah. about the games and the series, the Astros won and won the World Series, lost what, two games total? Yeah. That, I, so I, like I the Dodgers so. and the Braves were crying and all this stuff. <laughs> and it's just that's it. The best team still won. Best team still won, and that will be the end of our World Series talk. I don't want to talk about it anymore because no, uh, the season's over. It We're, it's 2023 now. It's 2023, and with that comes the the Mets offseason moves. First one, like we mentioned, Edwin Diaz, but how about a little sneaky one? The guy that they saw, uh, hired from Driveline, right? What was his yeah. name? Eric Yeagers. I feel like I thought, I thought we were going to talk about this in the end, but you want to talk about it now? Just quickly, briefly, I think, because right. I think it's worth noting. Yeah, I, this Mets fans should be incredibly excited about this move. Eric Yeagers is one of the most absolute trusted people in all pitching development across the country. He was a college pitcher at Iowa not that long ago because he's not a very old guy. He actually developed the racing outlet syndrome, though, while he was oh, down there. Okay. Yeah. So he – and then he ended up just – when he was trying to rehab and get himself good, he went to driveline. He really took to the training so much. Eventually, he became a coach after his playing days were over. He kind of became – like almost like Kyle Body, who like the, was the innovator of drivelines, like somewhat protege, like almost like his like consigliere, like right hand man. Ooh, good word. There you go. He spent five years at driveline, and then he went to the Phillies as a pitching strategist, but not even for a year, just for the 2019 season. And then he went from there. When Body jumped and went to the Reds, he went with him, and he was the assistant pitching coordinator to Body, who was the head pitching coordinator for the entire Reds organization from 2019 to 2020. And then from, he became the assistant pitching coach with the major league staff in 2020 through this past season, 2022. So Body, I'm sure, Body and Jaegers together had a lot to do with development of some of the Reds' prospects, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, named the most notable ones. And then that major league rotation for the last few years was also just very good. 20, 2020 season, the Cincinnati Reds had every opportunity to win a, to win a World Series, 100%. realistically, if their offense would have stepped up. And then they held, they held Waller 2021. This year, they tore the whole thing down. But you could see that there were some major pitching achievements made by the end of it. Didn't you? Uh, you sent me right the picture that Kyle Body was given at a uh, at like a, yeah. a lecture or whatever. No, it was that it was at First Pitch Arizona, which is like a national. It's more like a, it's like a fantasy and like a data baseball and data convention that goes on around the All Star Game for the Arizona Fall League every year. I was getting sent pictures from some of my friends that were there. Some some baseball folks. Shout out Nick Pollock and uh, Scott Gilroy. Some some OG nerds out there and. um it was it was sad not to go. I really wish I, you know, still didn't have a job like like the good old days. But <laughs> Kyle Body was giving a presentation on like integrating technology into pitching development, and he had like stats about the Reds, the Reds minor league ranks before he got there, than while he was there, as like his proof of how good he was. He's right because he's great, and now we got the we got the number two men there, and he's gonna. You know what? He's probably going to overhaul the entire Mets pitching development. He's going to have hand in the players that we scout and we draft. He's going to he's going to be instrumental in the way we develop pitching right now. And I'm incredibly excited to have him as a part of this organization. Yeah, it's uh, one of those moves that I don't know if you'll find many podcasts who will get excited about it like we do. We well, we love we love the info. We love the the new minds coming in and a guy like Eric Yeager is coming from Driveline and the Reds. Very, very excited. Very and excited. Something else is very important is a lot of people, Trent Rosecrans, Eno Saris, specifically Trent Rosecrans, Reds beat writer from The Athletic, Eno Saris, baseball writer for The Athletic, 
just on the cutting edge of pitching development. They said that while Jaegers is very smart, he's very intelligent, knows how to develop, people rave about his communication ability. And the fact that he has that, same with Jeremy Hefner, we've heard people say about that, same with Eric Chavez, as the Mets integrate more and more data into this organization, you have to be able to get that to players in a concise and creative way. And the fact that many people have said he's someone who can't do it gives me tons of confidence. I mean, think about the interviews that we had with Trevor May and all the pitchers this year. One of the things they mentioned that they loved about Hefner the most is his ability to communicate with them and tell them what they need to hear. And I I think that's super important. And it just shows that the Mets are all taking signs and steps in the right direction here. Here's one more quote I want to give from Kyle Body about Jaegers, about how just he is with players and stuff. It's not just the technical side of it. He, Jaegers, is the best at at the actual information delivering it to players. That's without question what he's best at. Is he the best nerd in the world? Probably not. Is he the best coach in the world? Probably not. Is he the best meld of both of them when it comes to pitch design? I don't think there's any question. Love that. Love that. So that's That's the guy who trained this person saying that he is better at something than anybody else he's ever seen. That's amazing. Love to hear that. Love Mm -hmm. to hear that. And... That kind of leads us now into the moves that could be made this offseason because there's there's a lot going on, especially with guys that the Mets had on the roster last year in 2022 that may or may not be on the roster moving forward. The Mets have 11 free agents this year. That is the most of any team in baseball. A lot of big names here, James. Yeah, that 11 free agents number was pulled per Mike Mayer, who is like, a, he's probably one of the most trusted guys in terms of breaking news stuff on Mets Twitter. It's also like not like, you know, he's not, not official. So like we yeah. can't take his bond. And like, I don't think anything kind of instructs that more than like that list of 11 names, but here are the Mets free agents. You guys can count along with me. Jacob deGrom, Brandon Nimmo, Edwin Diaz, Chris Bassett, Taiwan Walker, Carlos Carrasco, Trevor May, Seth Lugo, Adam Alavino, Trevor Williams, Tommy Hunter. That and was, yeah. I and then also, yes. Well, but those are the guys who were on the team the whole year. Cause I said that because like that number is 10 who I just gave. Those are guys on the team the whole year. Then Michael Givens, Tyler Naquin. So that yeah. makes it 12. So and I don't I know guess, if it's 10 or 12. I, I, I couldn't find how we got 11, which is kind of funny. Probably was the Diaz thing. Probably just counted out Diaz. Oh, yeah, probably he, after he got rid Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, but no matter what, that's a crap ton of guys who you have as free agents in your team. The only Mets are the most free agents in all baseball. I don't remember if you just said that, but Dodgers and Yankees next. Yep. That Those guys I just named combined for over 20 F4 this past wow. season. And if you could really glean from what I'm saying, they're basically all pitchers. Actually, they are all pitchers, not basically, except for Brandon Nimmo. And That's 900 innings, 900 major league innings that the Mets are losing. Not losing, but just don't have right now in terms of this free agent list. That's a lot. That's a lot you got to build back. No, 100%. And I mean, I think there's going to be guys that come back. Obviously, it's a no idea whether or not going to be able to bring everybody back, whatever it is. But this, I mean, the group of guys that the Mets have that are leaving, along with the free agent class, I just feel like... This free agent market in general feels a little bit robust on the pitching side, would you say? I wouldn't say robust, but I would say that it's it's more plentiful than I think people are giving it credit for. I think okay. there's a more there's a more beefy middle tier than years past. That's okay, so that's where I was gonna say it was because I made a video about this recently on my YouTube channel and I was talking about how the, the top tier of pitchers, there's the guys that you all know. You have the Jacob deGrom. Uh, you have Clayton Kershaw, Carlos Rodon, and my Justin forgetting Verlander. Justin Verlander. Those are like the clear top cut of this. But then there is a list of probably about 30 to 40 pitchers that all are going to be in a rotation next year, are all going to help a team, and are all good to not great, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And though I mean, those guys, I we have notes ready for all of them, so we're going to get into them as much as this episode lets us. But I do think there's going to be a bit of an opportunity to buy up some of these guys early. Because I think that a lot of this market's going to get stalled by DeGrom, Judge, I guess Rodon, probably Verlander, and probably Trey Turner. Yeah. And we've seen years past that there's always going to be a couple guys who just want to jump the market, let it go, get it over with. Those guys usually aren't agents by Scott Boris, so <laughs> we don't know how long it's going to take with Brandon Nemo. But there is an opportunity, a buying opportunity here in this next week because free agency actually officially begins. I believe it's Thursday, right? Correct? The, de- the day that this episode drops, I know we normally drop on Wednesday morning for you guys. We did it on Thursday just because it's an off-season episode and some things have been going on here. But it, today, the day that you're listening it to this... It also might come out Wednesday afternoon. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. But the day that you're listening to this, we're assuming it's Thursday. I'm going to... Ass- How about this? If it's Thursday, November 11th, Teams can start negotiating with free agents that were not on their team last year. So that means the Mets can go negotiate with a Trey Turner, or that means that another team can negotiate. Theoretically. Theoretically. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Or another team can negotiate with a brand name of Jacob DeGrom. That's that's what we want to tell you. 
We also have to tell you right now that we know nothing. We nothing. I know we're, we're associated with the Mets and we're the official podcast. We don't even have an iota of information. I wish we did. I, I'd I be sick if we some, did. I wish we had some juice. I, I wish we had some insider information. It'd be sick. <laughs> you we so got cool. nothing. We got nothing. How do we, we work with the team? All. We got nothing. Eventually, maybe we'll be folded in some of these deep, dense types of discussions. We're always open to Philly Upler, and I'm sure he is listening. Like we're always yeah. ready to give takes, give some, give some analysis. Zausberg, if he ever wants to, you know, come and just throw some ideas at a wall, we're that wall. We're no, we're ready yeah, we're to listen. Cool. We're cool for a brainstorm sesh. Give us a whiteboard or something. Yeah. Map I mean, up the roster like the guys yeah. in Moneyball. I'll, I'll tell you this. I've been pretty good with draft picks. I've been I've been pretty cash money. You've been cash money with the random pitchers that are just going to pop off. And it's I can't thing. wait to hear who those guys are going to be this year. I have a couple of bizarre guys on this list that I made up for this. But we, this is, a lot of Mets fans, I feel like that there's like two groups of Mets fans going into this offseason. The ones who expect literally every single thing in the world. Yes. The ones who expect absolutely nothing. And yes. I think that we're going to be blessed by finding ourselves somewhere in the middle. We don't know how the team is going to handle the like the amount of money they're going to spend or where they're going to spend it, how pitching versus hitting bullpen starting. Cause there's, there are, like we said, there's a lot of open roster spots in this team, a ton. And the Mets are probably going to have to get a little bit creative. We don't know anything about trades yet. We didn't even talk about trades before this episode. Cause we don't know any way they can go. What kind of players are going to be available this time of the off season trades kind of come out of nowhere anyway. Like we, we just do don't. know that uh Perry Manasian was saying that Shohei Otani will not be traded this off season. Yeah. All right. Perry, yeah, we'll, that sounds, we'll that sounds like something that someone would say while well, he's thinking about trading somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Might not even be the GM if they sell the team. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, doesn't, he doesn't care. <laughs> he's just saying that right now. He doesn't want to be the guy who trades him. It's also like, as a team like that, a team that's bad and going to be bad, you need to put asses in the seats. Yes, 100%. Like that, that's no, what no, nothing sells tickets like saying, yeah, we're going to trade Shohei. Nothing kills your <laughs> leverage. Like, we're looking to move the best player in baseball. <laughs> How to not sell season tickets. We're going to trade the most unique talent this game has ever seen. <laughs> Ooh, in a place where the weather's always nice. <laughs> you want to like, not get people to ballpark? You know what happened the last time someone like Shohei Otani got traded? No. Oh. It was it was a literal curse on the Yeah, 100-year pox. <laughs> so. But... Flip side of that, spin zone, a great play was made. A great play was made. A hundred percent. A great play and, was made. I mean, that team's been pretty good the last 20 years, so I don't really care yeah, what happened from yeah, 1910 until now. I can't, I can't deal with a hundred-year curse because we'll be dead. I can't oh, do that. We, we will not make it. It's not our team. It's not our team, so it actually doesn't matter. I can, yeah, I can handle the Angels not winning for a hundred years. I don't care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. There's a lot of stuff right now, so I guess, should we just talk about the big names? Because that's what people want to hear. Let's hit, let's hit the big names. Let's do it. All right, so first big name that actually was in a in a very away rumor that we are in no way corroborating on this show. Someone talked about Trey Turner being like a potential option. And the Trey I, Turner is a potential option, I would say, for 30 teams in baseball. You know why? Least, he's, he's incredible. Be. What do you mean at least? That's, that's all of them. <laughs> he is... Everyone in the MPB and the KBL are also yeah. considering Trey Turner. Whatever baseball leagues exist. The Italian League, we have that stuff coming out with Omar. The Italian oh, sure. League should be all over Trey Turner if they all possibly can muster up the money. Before we talk about Trey Turner, did you see the video that got released? The hype video? No. You didn't see this? I didn't even know what you're talking about. CAA released a hype video. It's like a five-minute montage, like sizzle reel of Trey Turner, voiced over by John Hamm, just reading out his accolades over his career, what he's done the last few years. And it was like saying things like, Trey Turner can not only hit the baseball hard, but he plays a great shortstop and runs fast. Like <laughs> those kind of things. And I was like, I, I left, I watched the entire thing and I left day, like confused and cringing a little bit, but I'm also like, it's kind of sick because Trey Turner's so awesome, and boy, would I love him on my team. I I would do anything for it to get like a John Hamm narration about myself too. John Hamm's a yeah. F- oh, John Hamm is a legend. <laughs> <laughs> sneak a little sneak a little f bomb in there. First episode of the off season. We're having too much fun, but I mean Turner. Turner is like unmistakably one of the best players in baseball. I have a yep. friend, shout out Luke, who like for years he was like, I'm betting Trey Turner to win the MVP every single year because at some point it's going to happen. I had a great Trey Turner future during the 2021 season. That I had the chance to. He became the favorite at a point in August when he got really hot after the Dodgers trade, and I had a point to cash it out for money, and I didn't because I got greedy and I should have. That was stupid. <laughs> Hand up on me, but. 
if you go back to 2019, the only player with more war than Trey Turner is Aaron Judge. He's got 80 homers in the last, like, I guess one of these is strike shortened, so I'm not even going to try to do that mental math right now. But since 2019, at 311, 361, 509 slash, 133 WRC plus. He still he plays like good defense at short. It's not really great at this point. It's like quite yeah. good though. He'll be a great second baseman if if push came to shove. He's still only 29 years old. He's still the fastest guy in baseball, so the physical tools are absolutely not deteriorating in any way. He's one of the best players in baseball, completely in his prime, and is a bona fide surefire MVP candidate every single moment that he ever plays. Like you said, every team is going to be in on this guy. There are a lot of teams that could one use a shortstop. There's a lot of teams that could use a second baseman. There's a lot of teams that could use wherever Trey Turner could possibly play. I think if you're a Met fan, uh, remember every rumor with a grain of salt. Take everything for exactly what it is, a rumor. Don't necessarily think that there's any truth behind a lot of the stuff that you see. But if you are a Mets fan, I think you should be you should be welcoming Trey Turner if he were to come to this open team arms. with open arms. Like I saw a lot of conversation of like, well, we have Lindor, we have McNeil. Like, yeah, we have good players. Let's get another one. We'll... You will find spots for guys. That is not going to ever be the problem of we have too many good players. No one's ever said that. When the Dodgers traded for Trey Turner, they had Mookie Betts and and uh, who am I looking? I'm missing uh, Craig. Yeah, Corey they Seager. Corey Seager. Yeah, like they, the team was was plenty okay in the positions that Trey Turner could play, and it really didn't matter. Yeah, no, uh, he would be he would be absolutely sick. Realistically, probably not the guy that is the most focus on, I would think. If I was the GM, it wouldn't be my most focus. And the pure speculation, I think it's just the fact that we just named all of those pitchers who the, who are not on the Mets roster at this given moment. 900 innings of ma- 900 major league innings from last year's roster currently not associated with the team. So to me, it makes sense that there's probably going to be a focus on pitching yeah. rather than hitting. But like if, again, if an MVP candidate like Trey Turner comes into your lap, you can't really say no. And now I kind of want to discuss Trey Turner's college teammate Carlos Rodon, yes, who's someone who I think is incredibly interesting, someone who became one of the best pitchers in baseball over the last two years, pitcher with the best whiff rate in a four-seam fastball in all of baseball, and that's from the left side. He is he is literally unbelievable. Yeah, I saw a really interesting uh, article written by someone that <laughs> had Carlos Rodon and had top 10 free agent targets the Mets should have, and I believe Carlos Rodon was 10th behind Robert Suarez. A reliever, Robert Suarez, uh, behind Justin Verlet, behind some crazy names. Uh, Carlos Correa was also, I think, ninth on this one. Hmm. Carlos Rodon, outside of Jacob deGrom, is the next best available starting pitcher on the market. He's, I don't know what he has to do to get that respect from the, the, the common folk, but I feel like at least the people who know baseball have seen Carlos Rodon go, oh yeah, this guy's really good. What is that? <laughs> that was La Bachata. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Carlos Rodon is like very, I mean, we're probably going to work on your pitcher ranking soon, like it's around December. He's, yeah, definitely. He's one of the 10 best pitchers in baseball, pretty clearly, I, possibly even one of the five best. And Especially after he had this past season with the Giants, because me and you talked about it last year when we wanted Carlos Rodon, that it was 120 innings and he fizzled out towards the end. Yeah, he, so he, 100... and, and he fizzled out dramatically. His velocity completely fell off a cliff in August, and it completely fell apart in the postseason. But this year, different. He threw 180 innings this year, which is way more than he threw last year, and he was killer all season long. I'm going to pull up his velocity stuff right now just to completely like make sure of that. But Carlos Rodon is 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 incredible, and like lucky for us, like we we're blessed to have some actual connections with Mr. Rodon. So <laughs> I went to dinner with Carlos Rodon. Yeah, Smith and Mark, Walensky picked up the tab. What a legend! Mark went to dinner with Carlos Rodon. He, I mean, his last actually September was his, his best velo month of the whole year. That's kind of unbelievable to, when I tell you that. But the best insight I could give you about Carlos Rodon is the dude loves playing baseball, is ready to pitch, wants to win, and wants to get paid what he deserves. And I think that's completely fair. No, he deserves a lot. Carlos Rodon, and this is also he's 29 years old after some injury riddled seasons, but coming off one of the best seasons in the whole game, 6.2 F WAR, 12 12 Ks per nine, just like an unbelievable talent. He he needs this big contract. Like this yes. is go- this is it's hilarious because coming off the Giants, but this is gonna be this is gonna be Kevin Gaussman from last year. He's looking for five, six, or seven years north of twenty five million per. Could sneak into thirty, just depending on how the market shakes out. Like this is gonna be the big contract that gets given out this winter from the pitching side. And 100%. I don't know if anyone else is even gonna come close to comparing because the other guys we mentioned are old or have the big question marks. Some guys we'll talk about later. So Rodon is the marquee piece. Rodon's a frontline starter. He's the kind of guy who can win you a World Series if the chips break right. And it'd be it'd be cool if he was on our team. 
Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, you talk about aces available on the market. He's definitely one of the two, three, two, three. What do you, what do you think? Soft, soft four. Okay. Soft four with including Kershaw still in that. Ace. Kershaw, when he pitches, he's still an ace, but just, we yeah. don't know. Yeah. I mean, he's thrown 120 innings the last few years. Kershaw and Verlander, obviously going to both be available on this market. Don't necessarily know what their stuff's going to look like. Also, I think Verlander could technically still pick up a player option for worth like 25 million with the Astros. I could see him doing that. I don't know. It depends how he's feeling. We don't know the guy. Be a cool guy to know as well. Justin yeah, Verlander. I'd like to meet Justin Verlander. Maybe him and Kate. That video dinner. of Kate Upton flipping off the Phillies fans, by the way, is yeah. an all-timer. That's awesome. Also her going ballistic with the Fox guys after they won. Yes, with with, awesome. with their daughter or one of their kids. I don't remember who it was. Just like Holden being like, we won. That's great. Yeah, she's, she's a fun girl. She looks like she has a good time. Yeah, rather die. So those are Turner and Rodon are the two marquee guys. Verlander, Kershaw are two guys, and along with DeGrom, who are, what would you call them, like Marthers, basically? Not Marthers. Uh, what's, what's the word? Marquee. No, it's not that. Um, what are you Explain what you're trying to... Mer- uh, mercenaries. Okay. They're coming uh, in. They're coming in for not that long of a time, but they're coming into a lot of good work. Sure. All right. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. They're coming yeah. in. They're coming in hot. Yeah. And then and then there's the next tier of pitching, which we, I guess we're just going to flip through them all now, right? Might yeah. Well let's just here. talk about it now since we're on the the topic of pitching. There's 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 a nice fat second tier here, and it, it includes some guys who you might think are on this tier, you might not think are on this tier. This tier is, I would say, led by Chris Bassett. Definitely. Of reliable plus effective plus, you know, just trustworthy as another word for reliable because I want to really hammer home how, how much he is so. Like, he he had such a good year with the Mets this season. 180 innings was 11th in the NL. He had less than th- uh, ERA under three at home. He just – he gives up so much soft contact. Like, he's he's this he is a guy who would be great to have. I know a lot of people soured him for the way the year ended, but I don't know. It's like – Guys have cold streaks. His cold streak happened in the bad time. I wouldn't let that completely impale the way you view Chris Bassett as a pitcher. No. We talked about him at nauseum this year. His kitchen sink, cutter, slider, sinker, fastball, curveball. Like he just throws it all. He has it all. He is he is, I'd say, the least risky pitcher on this market who's not a part of the top tier. Do you agree? Um, least risky that's not a part of the top tier. Yeah, because I mean, I guess when you look at all these other guys that we do like and that we have on our lists, there is either some sort of history of injury, which mm-hmm. I think is always worth bringing up when you have pitchers. I mean, we also know that you're injured until you're not, which is something that I know you love to say. I mean, that's, um, that's the Trey Turner. That's the Trey Turner thing. You're injured until you're not. But in terms of consistency, like I, I think you could probably peg where Chris Bass is going to finish relatively speaking every single year for sure and you know what for that consistent you're going to have to pay like i'm sure yes. i'm sure the chris bassett's not going to sign a deal for less than three years i'm sure it's not going to be for a dollar less than 18 million per like possibly he, he up, des- up to 20 deserves to get paid he deserves to get paid he does and he, he will he will get paid like chris bassett now again we're going to keep drawing comparisons to last offseason because that's one of the best ways to see how these general managers think he's probably gonna get the deal a little bit similar to marcus stroman Yep, and that's kind of it's it's it'll so be weird for less how, years because he's significantly older, but yeah. it's true. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, like like the other names that you have listed on here, like in that next tier, like a guy like Nathan Evaldi. Like I think if we're talking like top end, like what we could get out of a guy like Nathan Evaldi, I think is one of the more exciting names on this list, just because we have seen him be shut down before and be really really good over an extended period of time. But again, injuries. And then that's also the part of the free agency that's like the biggest worry for a team, a fan of anybody. Is like, am I paying for what has happened or am I paying for what will happen? Yeah. And that's like the crux of this entire, you know, exercise here. Because Evaldi is a guy, he has been heroic. He's been great in his career. Everyone remembers the the night, the Friday night 18 inning game with the Dodgers and the Brit, uh, Red Sox where he won them the world, won the Red Sox the World Series. But he is 33 years old. He is coming off a season where he had shoulder and back issues, which are never good. Probably rank one and two for the worst injuries I ever want to see a pitcher have, especially a guy who's had tons of shoulder issues during his career already and elbow issues. And elbow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's also just because of all these stuff is so good. Like, his his velocity is still there. His slider is still unbelievable. Like, that's the craziest part about Evaldi. Like, his stuff and command are all exactly what you think you would need from an elite pitcher. And he's still put together some amazing seasons the last few years, pitching in Fenway Park, pitching in the American League East. And his vision is not very easy to pitch in, especially compared to the National League East and City Field. He's just if you can if you can get him kind of cheaply because more people are scared. Like if I can give him a two year deal, that seems like a sweet spot for Valdi. But anything yeah. anything more than that, I think any fan would probably 
be nervous just because like especially when he's coming off an injury riddled season yeah like this isn't like Rodon where the injuries were multiple years ago Rodon just put together in a remarkably healthy season he is Valdi did not and that's where I get paused with him yeah and I I, I think I want to clarify too for those of you listening at home this isn't like an endorsement of like we like if we don't want this guy like these, no. the guys that we're mentioning are all guys that we we're gonna we would be happy to have. That's why we're talking about them. The guys you don't hear us necessarily talk about, you'll it'll be very obvious who we're not talking about on this podcast. But like when we bring up these guys, it's like this is a conversation we want to have because we think there's a possibility that like a team should be interested in this, and we want you to be informed on what these guys could be like. And we also just kind of want to tell you guys about these pitchers because a lot of people just watch the Mets very regularly. A lot of people aren't like Mark and I. You guys aren't psychos. You guys don't. You guys aren't <laughs> in fourteen fantasy baseball leagues. Like you're not. You're not locked into every single pitcher in the league. Like we're going to talk about next: Andrew Heaney, Jameson Tyon, Jose Quintana, Corey Kluber. These are guys who you might not that keyed in on their their strengths, their weaknesses, and probably what their market will evolve into. So that's what we're here to talk about. This is no way tied to who we want the Mets to sign or who we think the Mets are going to sign because we don't, we, we just, we simply don't know. It's all speculation. Yeah. What about a name that the Mets fans sh- will know pitched on this team just a few years ago and he had a career season. I'm interested to hear your take on this guy because you're the pitching, you're the pitching exactly guy. You're going to ask Michael Waka Waka Waka. <laughs> what is, do you think that's legit? Like I, I haven't dove deep into his stuff, so I'm not sure. I got deep in Waka this afternoon. I kind of fell in love with Waka this year because he just, he popped out of nowhere, and he had that such hot stretch toward the middle end of summer. I had um, I always, I just forgot to tweet it, but I had it in my dress forever. It was a blind resume between Michael Waka and Logan Webb, and they had <laughs> they had like a two month stretch where they're basically the exact same pitcher. But then Waka got cold at the end of the year, and Webb got hot, and I just never tweeted, so I lost it. But Waka. Waka was hilariously really good this year, but he really outran a lot of his estimators. Like his FIP okay. was om- like oh like over a half run higher than his ERA. That sat like three one three, which for a guy who pitches for the Red Sox in the American League East is insane. He also had a left on base rate above eighty percent. Left on base rate is exactly what it sounds. It's literally when you end innings with like how many guys that get on base, how many guys stay on base. The league average for that's usually in the seventies. When you see those eighties numbers, if you're looking at baseball stats, your ears should perk up. Like that's something that likely will regress, but. The thing about Waka is that his changeup is still very good, and the Red Sox were actively making adjustments to it during last season. It They dropped his changeup three miles an hour, so it had a bigger gradient between that and his fastball. It was only about four or five miles an hour difference when he was here with the Mets. Last year, it stretched yeah. out to seven or eight, which for changeup, that's a big deal. It's possibly even a bigger deal than the actual physics of the pitch because Waka's changeup moved far less, had less drop, and it had less fade. But I think the fact that it created such a big uh, disparity in velocity, it kind of made the pitch more effective because that's kind of the whole goal of it to look like a fastball, not act like a fastball. I mean, the whole way that, like, uh, through playing baseball and everything, the changeup's always ever been described is you're trying to, like, basically, like, pull a string. Like, yeah. you want it to look like a fastball, and all of a sudden it's not there. And that's what his changeup seems to be doing more with that disparity in difference. Absolutely. But, like, the pitch still, I, w- I, I, I have trouble calling it elite because it doesn't move in an elite way, like, especially compared yeah. to another guy having this list, Ross Stripling, who does have an elite changeup, probably one of the best. In, term, in all of baseball, but Waka had fantastic command. He kept the ball in the yard. His ground ball rate was over 40%, which is a good good spot to sit. It's not a leap, but it's a good place to be. He, and he still has such good command, and he has a lot of pitches that he can throw, a slider, a fastball, like he, a cutter, I believe, if I remember correctly. So he's a guy who it would probably be disgusting for Mets fans to hear, Yeah, but I'm sure he's a guy who will just eat a ton of innings. Like I, He compares favorably to, I think, Taiwan Walker. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I even remember, like, at points in the... It was here 2020, right? Was the 2020 season yeah. he was a part of the team? Like, he did have starts, remember, where you're like, oh, he does. good little pitcher for us. And, like, I think for a guy who we wouldn't be bringing in as, like, the headline... Of course he not. wouldn't be, wouldn't be carrying guy. a lot of yeah, wouldn't be carrying a lot of weight on his shoulders. I mean, it's, it's worth a worth a look. I think. I think we also like just collectively, like as baseball fans, got a lot of Waka fatigue because he came up and he was so good right away on some good Cardinals teams, and then like he just fell off completely because that team. I don't. I, their their pitching development's weird. I still don't understand how the Cardinals do it, but <laughs> and he like he still I can tell like you how at, they do it. Yeah. <laughs> They they get guys who pitch the pitch the contact and the outfield's huge and they have great defense. I mean, that's yeah, great. It's a really good <laughs> idea. It's like oh, we figured this one out. But he doesn't walk that many people. His ERA it was three three two. His ERA, but the expected ERA was like four and a half. So again, like there's good. He's a true. He's probably a true talent. Four one four two four three ERA guy. Okay. But I don't think that's a bad thing in, in the back of rotation. You need that guy, especially a guy who's going to throw innings for you. He only threw 130 innings last year, but he got hurt. But I think he's a guy you could probably, as only 31 years old, could rely on. 
And like I mentioned before, fastball, changeup, cutter. He has a sinker. He has a little bit of a curveball, but he has not much of a feel for it. It does pitch that was bigger earlier in his career. He's he's just a guy who would just be a dude, probably a couple mil, hang out in the back of the rotation, pitch. All right, give me give me a name that you you want to talk about because again, this is this is your sweet spot here with pitching. <laughs> there's a, there's two guys who I'm pretty excited for who I think the Mets could sign this offseason. I think would fit well, and you can kind of get them in for a longer term deal with a lower AAV than some other pitchers. And they're Andrew Heaney and Jameson Tyone. Mm, those two okay. names probably sound so disgusting to most baseball fans, but there are like <laughs> so many reasons that those guys can be good. First, I want to talk about Heaney because this was the classic, like, oh, he went to a smart team. They're going to fix him. And the Dodgers did fix Andrew Heaney in like yeah. 30 minutes, probably about. He he went to the Dodgers and he got good. Where have I heard this before? Yeah, could, could you even imagine? He basically, in one second, they taught him the pitch that they've been teaching all of their pitchers. Uh, Evan Phillips, especially as a guy who comes to mind, is the sweeper. It's a new variant of a slider that started being popularized the last few years that gets more horizontal movement. And the key difference is you want the way it spins off your hand to not to behave differently in the way it actually spins. So you want to kind of trick the hitter. You're getting a little bit of seam shifted wake on the pitch. So you're it's spinning like this, but then eventually it goes like this. You're getting less depth, less drop, more sweep, how the pitch was named, and you're basically tricking hitters. And that pitch is a way... It's not as good at getting whiffs as traditional sliders, but it's much better at missing barrels, getting hit for softer contact on the ground in the air. There's tons of great articles on Fangraphs about this. You guys want to learn about the sweeper, definitely just go Google sweeper or just Fangraph search sweeper. There's millions and millions of great articles. Millions. Yeah, Watch no, out. I mean, Alex Chamberlain specifically has done a lot of work for it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Andrew Heaney had a very, very good year. Um, definitely much improved, at least. And, I mean, we've seen what the Mets have been able to do with some pitchers that they've brought in. Uh, there's definitely some guts there. Everyone, for the longest time, has been ta- waiting for the Heaney breakout. And it looked like he got a little bit... I don't. Would you call this his breakout this year, or you still think there's more? 100% going to call last year's breakout. Once he started okay. throwing that sweeper, by the end of the year, he was throwing it almost 33% of the time, a third. It got 44% whiffs, 235 x Woba, which, in terms of missing... Both missing bats and inducing soft contact, those are incredible stats up there with some of the most effective pitches in baseball. Home runs were still an issue for Heaney because his fastball is not great. He has one of those low-arm slot four-seam fastballs that runs more than rises, so it's it's just going to get popped sometimes. And Dodger Stadium is a good place to hit a home run. City Field, not a great place to hit a home run, so that would be a big help there. The other thing about Heaney is that injuries, durability are still an issue. He only threw 72 innings last year. But those innings were like as elite of any 70-inning sample in all of baseball. Of all pitchers who threw at least 70 innings last year, Heaney had the second-best strikeout minus walk rate. Holy. Wow. Who's the only guy that was better was Spencer Strider, and that was by 0.3%. That mustache-faced rat. Yeah, jerk. F jerk. But (laughs) (laughs) in... When he was on the mound last year, he was literally one of the best pitchers in baseball. And I don't think he's being regarded as such just because it wasn't that big of a sample and it happened very suddenly. I think that you're going to see a lot of the more intelligent teams in on Heaney. I think you're going to see teams offering him three years at probably about 15, 16 per, because I think that what he did in the small sample last year is worth that. And I think that he's a guy, if you hit it right, because you're only injury prone until you're not, could be someone who could change the scope of any pitch rotation in the league. I mean, listen, I, I didn't need as much selling on Heaney because I, I I saw a lot of the stuff happen this year, but I think you got to sell me on Tyone a little bit more because I don't know. It's I, I hate the Yankees, so that's probably like 95% of why I just don't see it, but I don't know. I, Tyone, I think I might need a little more convincing. All right. Big thing with Tyone is I've always loved Tyone. Just I have a soft spot for him, so there's a little bit of bias. The first time I ever like commented on baseball in my life was an article about James and Tyone before the 2019 season when I just realized he was throwing his slider more and sliders were better to throw than fastballs and was getting more whiffs and he was breaking out. Since then, he had a second Tommy John surgery, which is awful. It's really tough. Almost no pitchers ever come back from two Tommy Johns, but the two years he's pitched since, it looks like it is coming back. James Tyone also beat cancer. Have to mention that. Shout out James and Tyone. Two Tommy Johns and cancer, so nothing can stop this guy, literally. He made a lot of adjustments 
in between 2021 2022 with the Yankees. Way less fastballs, more sliders, more sinkers. And he developed a cutter in between those years, which is interesting. The cutter did get hammered, but it had very unique movement in that he was throwing at 90, 91 miles an hour. It had good slide and it had some drop. So it's almost like a slider variant, but it was just harder than it because it didn't mm-hmm. behave like traditional cutter. It was weird. He also threw less curveballs, even though that was his best performing pitch in terms of whiffs. And his slider had a lot more depth and a lot more slide in the second year after his second Tommy John recovery. And his velocity in his fastball almost got all the way back to where it was before that surgery. So he was used to sit 95, 96 this year. He sat 94-ish. So that might also be a thing where he shakes the year rust off one more year and he gets there. And he was hurt a lot by home runs in Yankee Stadium. Home run fly ball rate was significantly worse than it was during his days in Pittsburgh. That could either be because of just the, the diminished effectiveness from the surgery or the fact he's playing in Yankee Stadium against the AL East in terms uh, compared to National League Central against you know the Cubs and the Reds and all those terrible teams that play yeah. there. The Yankees, if anything, I've given them a lot of credit in this show and I, to you just personally. If there's anything yeah. that they do struggle with in this generation of their organization besides winning in the playoffs, it is pro- <laughs> it's professional pitching development. They've kind of gotten a lot of these veterans and not really maximized their talent in the last few years. Sonny Gray is the obvious one that comes to mind. So I do think in terms of Tyone's repertoire between a fastball that's still able to miss bats, a slider that is still good, a sinker that is good at getting ground balls, and a cutter that's incredibly unique, and a changeup that gets whiffs. I just gave you five pitches. A guy yeah. that struggles with the long ball, pitching in a tough division, another year removed from his second Tommy John surgery, who has just the absolute heart of a god beating all these things he's beaten. I really think that he's a guy who you can get and will be, who will work, who work hard, and there is upside left in what he has. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, I mean, listen, you're convincing me more. You're convincing me more. You're, <laughs> you're, you're softening me up on James Tyone a little bit. A uh, few more pitchers here, because we've been talking about pitchers for a bit, and I do want to talk about some offense a little bit. I mean, we're going to have so many episodes this offseason. You're going to hear us talk about a lot more players, but I think as a first episode, it's good to just get some stuff out there as we have. For sure. I mean, I'll just run through the rest of the guys quick in this tier. Corey Kluber is someone I'm also very in on. The stuff is still super there. His curve is unbelievable. His cutter is amazing. And the Rays okay. just push those two pitches up so, so he would throw them the most. The only thing is you're not going to get the volume because at this point in his career, I mean, we saw this the way the Rays handled him. One, he's not the most durable anymore. They kind of helped him be durable by limiting him to about 80 pitches per start. The weird caveat, though, is like as his cutter and his sinker dominate his repertoire, his ground ball rate fell, which I think the Rays might have been doing that purposefully because they are so keen on outfield defense, and that outfield there is so vast that maybe that was just an adjustment they made personally. But I think Kluber still has enough stuff, enough command, and just enough just Oh, I did it again. Damn. You, you, look at you. I'm just too into it right now. That, that, I, we've been we've been so like glad in these episodes for the last month that like yeah. now we're actually talking about real stuff. We're like analyzing again. Like I feel I feel like we're a little, back in the back in the saddle. But Kluber, I like. vigor. Yeah, I got some more vigor back in. But Kluber, someone I like, someone I don't like, Jose Quintana. Like I had the, why? Because he did have like a weird good year. It was a fake. It was a fake good year. The pitches aren't okay. good. The changeup. The changeup could. St- the changeup is still good, but the fastball is bad. The breaking stuff is bad. He stopped walking guys, but I almost think that was a bit of an aberration. Like there's nothing. I think the Cardinals are just like just throw it down the middle. Like we're gonna catch it probably anyway. And the Pirates are just is the he pitched the whole year in National League Central. You almost can't take that seriously at all. It's kind of true. Yeah, yeah, like, really there's good no good offenses in the entire division. Not one. There were zero good offenses in all the division. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. <laughs> like 30% of the games he played were against teams that literally couldn't hit. So it's hard <laughs> to take anything seriously. And it's, the stuff's just not good. Like, like none of his pitches have above average moving profile at all. He doesn't have good velocity. And if the walks come back, you're completely with a, a lemon. Yeah, no, that's okay. That's a good point. That's a good point. Another guy who I like, like in terms of talent, but like don't like in terms of timing is Tyler Anderson. You're just buying it. your boy. Yeah, I mean, last year he would have been my boy, but you're buying him at the top of the market now. Like, I don't want to give Tyler Anderson three years. I want to give him one year for seven mil. It would have been great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't know. know. I, I could see that one. And then the other two guys I'll touch on briefly are Ross Stripling and Zach Eflin. Um, I just, I love Zach Eflin. I talk about him all the time. He had a degenerative patellar issue in his knee where he didn't learn how to follow <laughs> through until like 2018. If you guys want to find some deep, deep James tracks, just like search my name, James Shiano and Zach Eflin. You'll find tons of articles I wrote in 2019 and 2020. He just he literally had to like relearn how to pitch, and he got more velocity, got more movement, everything. He's been good since then. He's had some more issues. I think he had another knee injury also at the end of last yeah. year, correct? Yeah. But he came back so hot at the end of this year. He was one of the most important players in the Phillies postseason roster. And his his curveball and the slider are both amazing. And his sinker is an above average pitch in terms of movement and velocity. And his command is completely elite with everything. He looked great in relief, and I think he for sure can start again with that repertoire. For sure. Yeah. He looked 
filthy in the postseason. Disgusting. He looked disgusting. It was so vindicating to see him come after all these times I've said his name to just dominate on national television. The movement on his, I guess, two-seam was he throwing? Was it a two-seam or a sinker or whatever? They call it a sinker, but I think uh, who knows what it actually is. It's incredible. And he has two legit breaking balls on two different planes between the curveball and the slider. He is really good. And you get that guy in a ballpark like City Field. He can eat. Eat. That's like, and that's also something I'm saying about all these guys, but that's an advantage that the Mets do have when bringing in pitchers. I heckled Zach Eflin at spring training back in 2018 when he like couldn't throw hard at all. That's because his knees didn't work yet. I know. Shame I on you. Sta- I was standing behind him throwing a bullpen. It, <laughs> at, but it was like the first game of spring training, too. I think it was between the Braves and the Phillies at Disney World. And Zach Eflin was throwing, like, can't even break 90. Can't <laughs> even pop the catcher's glove. <laughs> You're throwing, like, 94 now, though. Like, you, like imagine, imagine your whole life you can't do something and you don't know it. It's like a superpower. Literally. Imagine you never, you couldn't bend your knees and you had no idea. And, like, like, I, not- like an old, old article I wrote for a blog doesn't even exist anymore called Prospects 365. Like, I was literally pulling screen caps of Zach Eflin <laughs> pitching. He used to finish his pitches and his back used to be straight because he couldn't bend. <laughs> and eventually, he's like, he got three more miles an hour in his fastball one offseason. I was like, this guy's going to be the man. And yeah. I think we're just, and the pitching development is so weird. That happens to these guys at such different times, especially a guy like Eflin who came right to the major leagues out of high school. He was up and down, then he had major reconstructive surgery. He's always been great at limiting exit velocity. Oh God, this guy, I think he'd be awesome. And I really still think there's an extra mile or two you could tick off that fastball, get from 93 and 94. He's one of my guys. He's a big guy. Now, you got one more? Give me one more, though. Just quickly, Ross Stripling. I just think he was like, he was hilariously good at the end of last season. The Blue Jays also have this veteran pitching magic now of the last few years. We've seen them. Besides Jose Barrios, they've like made every <laughs> single person better. And that hilarious. Besides was, the one guy. Besides that the one who's actually thinks. good. And Maybe you say Kikuchi. Yeah, you say Kikuchi. I mean, he was actually decent in the bullpen at the end of the year. He's a changeup. The guy's changeup back and the velocity was back. But his cha- Stripling's changeup is insane. It's 10 mile an hour difference with his fastball. They had him throwing it 35% of the time in September. Eventually became his most thrown pitch by the end of the season. And they turfed his four-seam fastball because the pitch sucks. But Tripling also has an above-average curveball and a good slider, and he doesn't walk anybody. doesn't walk yeah. anybody. And he's got one of those rubber arms. You just throw him out there and pitch. And he's, a, he's someone who's very comfortable moving roles between the bullpen and the rotation, which is very valuable in the back of a roster. I like Tripling. I think Tripling's a good little pitcher, and he seems to just love Davis. So I like that too. We like smart guys. We like smart guys. We're smart guys. We're smart guys around here. We want more smart guys like us. A couple sharp guys. And then just some other names. Like Clevenger, I think, can still be good. Couple yeah. more years away from the Tommy John, I think he'll be fine. Three pitches with a whiff rate above twenty nine percent. Fastball got back up to ninety three, ninety four. Command is bad, but that usually takes longer after Tommy John. Then I got the psycho names like Chad. Chad Cool is two good breaking balls. Like I'll <laughs> say it out loud. Chris Archer's velocity came back, but he can't throw more than like fifty pitches at a time. Johnny Cueto and Rich Hill for the memes. And then the last one out of nowhere, who I think will be good once he plays for the first smart organization of his career, is Vince Velasquez. Mm, spent yeah, his whole career with the old stupid Phillies and the White Sox. And like the White Sox. Could you imagine that stuff? Like the pen, you know pencil, pencil and paper. Where? Oh, Astros. They drafted them. Astros. That's a smart. That's a smart organization who initially got his career started. <laughs> Vince Velasquez has a slider, a curveball, and a fastball. They're all above average, and he's never played for a team that's smart. Just no, give, give him give him twenty minutes with Jeremy Hefner. He left Take the Phillies meeting. as soon as they started to figure out pitching. Literally timed it imperfectly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's that all I got for we mentioned pitches. a lot. That was someone we mentioned a lot last offseason was like, Vince Velasquez would be a fun little flyer to take. You know, like, if we, if we're just if we're throwing out money. Vince Velasquez could use some. You want to get my blood pumping? Talk about the free agent pitchers. This is this has been my life for my entire life. Since I was right. conscious, this is about everything. Well, I'm going to calm you down a little bit because I got to talk about the offense. <laughs> and I mean, we're coming up on like an hour on this episode, so I'm going to keep it a little bit shorter this time on the offense. And we'll talk about it a little bit more next one because we probably will just have more information about players that are and aren't available and stuff. But I think pro- possibly the most important free agent for the Mets this entire offseason is Brandon Nimbo. I think, yeah, blatantly. Like, I- I've seen a lot of lists. I've seen a lot of rankings. I've seen a lot of this and that. One thing that I've seen, not just by Mets fans and Mets publications, just by everyone, is a unbelievable underrating of Brandon Nimmo again. And I, so don't, I don't know what he has to do to actually get respect from people that, are not us. Um, like he is one of like, he's not Mike Trout. We know that. Like when you're talking about like <laughs> okay. one of the best center field. Cause when I say this and I say he's one of the best center fielders in baseball, people are like, Oh, Mike Trout. And I'm like, okay, idiot. Like I didn't mean like Mike Trout. Mike Trout's one of the best players to ever play. But when you are talking about the best center fielders in major league baseball, Brandon Nimmo is 100% a part of that group of, I, I would say the elite tier. For sure. I mean, I think there's a grouping at the time. Like, Trout is 
is incredible. Aaron Judge played center field in elite level this year. Then you have like Springer is great. And then there's a little bit of a drop off. And I think then you have like Nimmo, Reynolds, Cedric Robert. Mullins. Robert. Yeah, Robert, uh, I guess now Buxton. at this point too is up there. Buxton. Yeah, Buxton Buxton never plays, so I almost can't even count him. Yeah. But like like that's the group. And if you don't get Brandon Nimmo back, there is There's no other option. Like Starling Marte can play center field, but we want him in right. We know that's where And can the, can play center field, we want him in left. Yes, we want him in left. Like if we want to maximize our potential, I think, uh getting Brandon Nimmo in center field is vitally 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 important important uh it's funny mlb.com does a just a list of all the free agents position by position and it has their wins above replacement from 2021 to 2022 when you look at the available center fielders it's disgusting it's disgusting uh kevin kiermaier would be our next best option brandon nimmo's 8.7 war over the last two years next best is kevin kiermaier at 3.7 and he has a club option so he might not even be available no, but, he's, they're going to make him available. The Rays have been okay. trying to get rid of Kevin Kiermaier for about three years. <laughs> okay, I mean, he plays great defense, but he does. I I think if there's one guy on this market that I I personally, as a Mets fan, want back the most, it's Brandon Nimmo for me. Uh, I just I think it's really really hard to let a talent like him go, especially when it really really does feel like he might just be figuring it all out. Like we started to see him hit for some more power towards the end of the year too, and that's like Brandon Nimmo with power and the defense and on base. That's scary. The thing about Brandon Nimmo is and something we've been saying forever is that he's still like literally baseball young. Yeah. He did he didn't even like start playing baseball until he was like a teenager. Like he never got like the college baseball, he never did high school baseball. Like he went right to the like the rookie league when he was a when he was a child. He had no experience at all. And he's just he gets so much better every year. And the irony of this whole thing is that Mets fans, like you and I included, we've been like asking looking for our center fielder for so long now, for years, like since Carlos Beltran went away. <laughs> and he was under our nose the whole time, and now he might right be gone here. before we even realized it. Yeah, no, uh, Scott Boris is going to make it tough. I think there's Scott no... Boris, this, Scott Boris has been waiting for this one. This is going to be the Scott Boris Magnus Opus, because he's going <laughs> to he's gonna, he's gonna get a guy with 60 career home runs, like $150 million. And I'm, you know, I'm going to tip my cap. I hope it's yeah. for us, but if it's not, I'm going to tip my cap, because this is, this is Scott Boris' going to be his greatest achievement ever. A guy who's never hit more than twenty home runs in a season is going to get one hundred fifty mil. Yeah, I think I think a lot of teams are going to be interested. I really hope he comes back to New York with the Mets. I really want him in center field for the foreseeable future. He's just and he's still the, not even thirty. The, the improvements he made defensively are are legit. They're really, really, really important, especially in City Field, where we know like balls don't go out of the park. So keeping them in is important, but who's going to catch them? I want to see Brandon Nimmo catching those balls. We saw the catch against the Dodgers. Dodgers. I mean, come on. I was literally about to say that, like talk about balls not going out of the park. That was, I mean, I guess it's kind of sad, but looking back in retrospect, that was the high point of the season. I guess that game, that DeGrom against the Dodgers. Maybe. <laughs> I guess that's where we, we technically peaked. Uh, maybe. Oh, was it August 29th? What a great night that was. Uh, that we were Thursday. We were Corey. We were having a great time in left field. Yeah, we had a ball. That was that was one of the most fun games we went to all year. What a what a night. But you just we can't like Brandon Nemo in, in the last year had his best power production as lowest strikeout rate. He did that in the same year. Yeah. And his best defense. He did all that yeah. in the same year. Like, there's no, like, I'm not even kidding. Like, he, he could be a perennial all-star for the length of a five-year contract. And he's a guy who, like, he could play center field for two more years and then just, like, you know, this, the Marte, the Canna contract expire. Move him back to a corner. Get, get a young center fielder. Be an even more elite defensive left fielder. <laughs> and continue to hit leadoff with his <laughs> with his 370 on base percentage. That was hilariously also one of the low marks his entire career. Oh, no, his on base percentage dropped because he started swinging the bat, hitting for power. Like, he's, he's so good. He's so good. And I'm happy the Mets fans finally have begun to respect him, but still not to the point where I think they should. Yeah, no. I mean, like, uh, the, the offensive market's a little crazy. Uh, there's a lot of... And I feel like this is kind of how the offensive free agent market always looks is there are the good players and then there's the rest. Yes. And I mean, at center field, Brandon Nimmo is the good player. Obviously, you have Judge in right field. Everybody and their mother is going to be in on Aaron Judge. He's going to get paid $500 million or whatever it's going to be. Uh, it is what it is. Would I take Aaron Judge on my team? Any day. Any day. He's a good baseball player. But, you know, <laughs> at the same time, there's going to be everyone interested and I'd rather get in bidding wars with other players. <laughs> Someone, I just, I just got really distracted. Someone just liked one of my tweets, and their name is Jeter Had No Range. So shout out that guy. Oh, I've seen that guy's Twitter before. Yeah, it's, I've seen that guy's. Um, it's kind of some funny. other fun hitting names, real quick. That I'm just gonna list off. Looking through, uh, Jose Abreu has been a name that a lot of people have been bringing up. I a think lot of people have been bringing up. We'll dive into that one deeper, I think, in another episode because yeah. we are coming up on an hour, and we don't want to keep you guys too too long. But Jose Abreu 
is an interesting one. I think Josh Bell's an interesting name. Uh, Got to bring up your your sneaky favorite player ever, Gene Segura, who looks like he's out in Philadelphia. Also, my that other sneaky is... one of my favorite players ever, Mitch Hanniger. The Mariners yep. just said they're not going to give him a qualifying offer. Wow, they're not giving him a QO. That becomes very high on the list now. Whoa, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, keep an eye out for Mitch. Definitely keep an eye out for Mitch. The shortstops is where the most depth is. Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, Dansby Swanson, and then it falls off a cliff. Good thing we have our shortstops, so it's really not that important. And you know what? Those guys can play other positions, right? Yeah, 100%. Push came 100%. to shove. Push games to shove. They could play other positions. Third base, you have Justin Turner. That's basically the guy. Uh, some interesting names, though. I, one, I mentioned to you this at the trade deadline. I think, I don't know if we did it on an episode or if this was just me and you having a conversation. Evan Longoria is someone that's just really interesting because while he hasn't played much the last two years, it's been 80 games each season. You put those two together and he's put up like 30 homers and 30 doubles with like an 800 or 820 OPS. Yeah, there's did. a there's a bat still inside Evan Longoria somewhere. It's, it's blatant. He did that thing where you went to the Giants and they just retaught him how to play baseball, and he became really good at it again. He's yeah, and he's also a, probably a great guy to get for our roster construction because we have Eduardo Escobar, who we went through it last year, guys. And you guys are going to get really mad next year when he gets hot and cold. <laughs> but at the end of the year, he's going to be five percent better than league average. You're at league average, like we said all the whole time. And we have Brett Bathey, who's growing, and he'll probably have a role in this team at some point. So their base might be a little crowded, but. I mean, he's, he can he absolutely 100% can hit for power. And this Mets team absolutely 100% needs power. I could see a platoon option, too, like where, you know, Vogie, it came back, uh, and he's going to be the DH. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he hits righties, as we know, we need someone to hit lefties. Longoria crushes lefties his entire career. So that's someone I think is an interesting, maybe if we get and, crazy kind of thing. Well, realistically, that becomes more of a platoon between Vogie and Escobar then, the way you're saying it, because... True. You kind of Longoria is good enough where he doesn't really have a platoon split. He's he's hitting as much as possible. You're spelling him for health, and then fair. Vogie and Escobar is a very natural platoon split lefty versus righties. Yeah, if something like this were to happen, um, uh, Brandon Drury is also available. Uh, get him in a band box again; he'll probably play well. Yeah. Outfielders: Joey Gallo is available. That's <laughs> always so. You're going to see a really really smart team get Joey Gallo. That's all I'm going to say. That if someone who signs Joey Gallo, that's someone who's smart. I feel and that's like, not even me being tongue-in-cheek, by the way. That's being dead serious. No, because Joey Gallo is still a valuable baseball player. A lot of people don't think he is, but he's still a good defender and a guy who hits for a lot of power. It doesn't look like you. your dad wants it to look or your grandpa wants it to look, but it's still good. Like, and he's, I don't even know what team, obviously, will get Gallo because probably a team that wants to compete but doesn't want to spend a lot of money and just get some cheap power. Yeah, no, definitely. Baltimore? Um, Baltimore would be That'd be fun. kind of fun as a lefty, as a le- but they have so many corner, good corner outfielders. Maybe like, yeah, but I can see like, the Blue Jays who could always use another corner outfielder. Yeah, but you call you could also just DH the guy really. At the no, end he's of the a good day. defender. Like that's not no, really for sure. Oh yeah, like, DH like DH sounds on there or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, but Joey Gallo is a fun one. Jock Peterson, I think, is a name you're going to be see thrown around a lot. Um, I was, I was, I would, what, what, what support? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. In center field, we went over. Right field, we kind of went over. You know, you know who's still available? I know who. Someone's mentioned to me the other day. Michael Mr. Conforto. Conforto. <laughs> yep, yep. Michael Conforto. I mean. <laughs> You want a rental? <laughs> you want a rental? That's probably that's probably the guy because there's. I think teams are going to be calling him as long as he's healthy. I mean, I, it might as well. Like, it'll probably have to do a workout see if he's you know healthy. How old Michael Conforto is twenty twenty nine. It's thirty years old. <laughs> you know, who huh. Michael Conforto is probably still pretty good. Probably still a pretty good player. I listen. You, you gave me a year off after a disappointing year, and my my, my opinion changes on the guy a little bit. I mean, I was banging the drum last year until the until the bitter end. Like, just get him back if you can. But I mean, oh man, well, so the last time Malcolm played in 2020, uh, three twenty four, twelve, five fifteen slash, one fifty eight WRC plus. I don't Not know. Bad. I don't Not know, bad. Jim. I don't know. Oh, uh, guys, already put together two seasons of more than four point four F WAR. It's not that bad. We know he can play in New York. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he can handle it. Oh, God. can handle the pressure. Um, and then in terms of DHs, which I mean, it's it's worth talking about now a little bit. You have JD Martinez, who's a free agent. Michael Brantley, Matt Carpenter, Andrew McCutcheon, who I could honestly be see being signed by the exact same team and just being a platoon of DH. Yeah. Carpenter hit righties, let McCutcheon hit lefties. Uh, they both mash whatever they mash. Trey Mancini, I think, also has a chance to be a free agent. Nelson Cruz. Uh, the list goes on and on. DHs. It's a position that exists. You kind of just find it. You don't really need to search for it. Yeah. And I also think the fact that we did bring Vogel back, back which I do yeah. support wholeheartedly. 1.5 million for Daniel Vogel back is an absolute steal for what he can do with the dish. He does, though, create like a little bit of a roster situation where we don't want that many guys who can't play defense. 
Correct. We saw 100%. last year how tight benches can get in season and that you just want guys who do a lot of different things. And again, that's not me saying I don't want to go back to this roster. At that price point, it's an absolute lock and it's a ton of positive value for having on this roster. But it probably does hamstring the Mets from bringing in the, who all of the people want to sign, the, the, Mart- the, the Martinez and the Abreu. It makes, it makes one of, bring one of those guys in difficult. Jose Abreu makes almost no sense. I'm just going to be it on the makes, record saying that. I, I, okay, I'm happy to say that because it makes basically none. Yeah, it makes it makes almost no sense. But we'll, I mean, we'll dive deep into that. Yeah, when the rumors really start flying again, uh, most likely the day that you guys are listening to this is going to be Thursday morning. Teams will be able to start negotiating with free agents from that were not on their team in the previous year. So you can expect it's going to be crazy probably for the next month or so. Um, I don't, I don't know. We've haven't had a really normal off season in a while, so I don't really remember how they either. go. My, um, I was talking with my dad today. He's like, when do you think guys are going to sign? I was like, I forget. Like, it would be really cool if it was like the NBA where everybody signs in like 48 hours. That'd be the, awesome. I, the NBA and the NFL does that too now where it's like three o'clock yeah. hits, 15 contracts. Yeah. But I mean, last year we got our guys. It got hot around Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I think I think after the holiday season-ish, like it, after Thanksgiving before Christmas, I, I think, think is the sweet spot. I think we're going to get some sneaky moves over the next week. Oh no! There's always sneak. There's always a sneak or two in. I think stuff's gonna happen. I think there's a few. I think there's a few guys on the market. I'm not gonna name names, so I can see them being like, "I want to get this over with." Okay. Well, I I wanted to play a game. I was gonna say, "Who do you?" Let's just both take a guess. Who's the first valuable free agent off the market? (laughs) I'm gonna say it, but maybe I shouldn't say it. I don't know if I'm allowed. I feel like Jacob Degrom's gonna go quick. Ooh, okay. Whether it's here or elsewhere, he just seems like a guy. It's not. It's not going to drag out. I think that's, that's a not fair, his style. I think that's a fair one. I think that's right? super fair. I, I say this with a... absolutely no knowledge of anything at all. Absolutely have no idea what's going to happen. Nothing. <laughs> I got a really annoying one. Oh, and he's going to be Dansby Swanson resigning with the Braves like tomorrow the, within twenty four hours. Well, that is interesting because I think those two are a little bit related because the Braves have never had an inclination to go over the tax threshold ever. No. And they're about one marquee player below the threshold right now. Yeah. So everyone loves talking about Jacob DeGrom to the Atlanta Braves on the internet. It's the favorite thing of all of the, the jerks. So, I mean, the, that, that will be interesting if if that does happen. Because also, the Braves style, like... That would happen. doesn't make sense to pay. It, kind of, I mean, Dansby would kind of what happened by now, no? Maybe. Yeah. But that's kind of the way they operate. We sign our that's own guys true. when you're not even... They already re-signed Charlie Morton. <laughs> yeah, like, during the playoffs. That's what I mean. So, like, and they were allowed to resign Dansby Swanson this whole time. So, like, maybe he's playing hardball. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it, I, the way that the way that negotiation has gone so far, it doesn't seem very Braves. Okay, all right, interesting. Um, yeah, I mean this this free agent, it's gonna be nuts. It's gonna be nuts. The Mets are gonna be heavily involved, I would assume, uh, just because we got a lot of we got a lot of moves to make. We got uh, a lot of yeah, a lot of Scarol, a lot of a lot of money to spend, a lot of wins to have, and we're going to be talking about it all off season long with you guys. Hopefully, we get some. It'd be nice to drop some emergency episodes because we have something big to talk about. Would you not agree? It was that double entendre. It would be nice to drop some emergency episodes. Yes, definitely, definitely would be nice. And uh, I think that's we're going to wrap this one up, guys. Thank you so much for listening and watching wherever you are doing it. Make sure you follow us on all our social media at MetsUp M E T S D U P on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, Subscribe to the New York Mets YouTube channel so you can see the YouTube version of this. Vito's working very hard on it. You need to go check that out. All the video content we're dropping. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download, and subscribe. Follow James on Twitter at James underscore Shiano. And follow me at Giraffe Nick Mark with a C. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for waiting one extra day for this episode. We do appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time on the next episode of the Messed Up Podcast. Peace out. Peace out. See you guys next time. Get up. Get up, get up.